Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. I am your host, Christy Haberman. I am glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. A few disclaimers before we get started. I am a licensed therapist. However, this podcast is not to be considered mental health therapy or counseling. It is for entertainment purposes only and is not associated with my counseling practice, Christy Haberman Counseling Services. Thanks for showing up. Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. This is your host, Christy Haberman. I am so excited for this show. This is the last show of the year for Grieving Insomniacs. I have Kai the Wonder Dog here listening. She's actually awake and not snoring today. So if you hear the clanking of her collar, that's her. And so on February 28th was the first day that I posted my first podcast recording for Grieving Insomniacs, and that is coming up next week. So I am doing a giveaway for the podcast. Uh, I'm doing uh, Beat Studio Buds as a giveaway. Because at Grieving Insomniacs, I actually designed this video for the mothers that are up in the middle of the night. Because, you know, we're mothers. During the day, we're taking care of our families. We're taking care of our other children if we have them at home or we're at work. Don't have a lot of privacy to listen to Grieving Insomniacs. So I knew that many of these recordings would be happening at night. So one of the reasons why I chose Beat Studio Buds is so that you could listen and still be active doing other things. And if you do happen to listen at night, you'll have some privacy. So I think next week I'm going to do a recap of all the different episodes. It'll take me a little bit to write it. But this week, we're still continuing the rough beginning to 2023. (laughs) I don't know about the rest of you, but 2023 has been a struggle for these first two months and the struggle continues. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is can you prepare for the grief waves? Is it really possible to prepare for them? And maybe it's the timing of it that made it so difficult I am not sure because we're coming off of Christmas. Christmas was not as hard this year as it's been years in the past, but it was still difficult. And then, as you know, my dog got sick, Kai. And I talked a little bit about Kai. Well, probably I've talked a lot about Kai and my fears about what will happen when Kai crosses the Rainbow Bridge. And that is in my new future. That is in my future. I don't know if I went into any detail about what's going on with Kai, but Kai has, she had some anal tumors that we had removed. It was a very painful surgery and Kai had um, a considerable amount of pain. If I had known how much pain that she was going to be in, I might've made a different choice, but I also knew that I wasn't ready to say goodbye to Kai. So we moved into our living room. We were up in the middle of the night taking care of Kai. 
and it really made me take a look at basically my own selfishness. And I have been trying to prepare myself for Kai passing the Rainbow Bridge because she's been my companion on this grief journey since it began. She gets up in the middle of the night with me. She talks to me, she comforts me. Like truly, if there's an emotional support animal for me in grief, Kai would be it. I was, and you guys know that I have had some stress at work. Well, my husband is also going through some medical stuff. And it's heart-related medical stuff. And that's scary, too. And so then there was Kai, and then there was Roger a couple of weeks later. And then, of course, my little breakdown at work. I was just too stressed, absolutely too stressed. And here I was moving along through my life thinking that I had managed my grief, that I, that it was okay, that, <laughs> that I'd come to some place of, it's not acceptance, but manageability maybe. Because in the early stages of my grief, the breakdowns are and were fairly frequent. Probably at least once a week, something would trigger me and I'd have these giant crying jags. And they were probably good for me. And then there became a point, and I don't know if any of the rest of you are at this point. Maybe I'll ask it in a poll, is I got to the point where I just didn't feel like I could cry anymore. And I haven't. It's probably been a couple of years because I felt like all my tears were gone. I just didn't have any left. You know, and so I'd have this feeling of sadness in my heart, but I wouldn't cry. And after, let's see, that happened on the 7th. I felt like crying for at least Thursday the 16th. So for a week, random tears would just roll out of my eyes. And I don't think it's only the work thing. Like, I was under a lot of stress at work, yes. But I think the one experience tipped me over the edge. The stress of Kai, the stress of Roger, I've, yeah, just tipped me over the edge into, into no man's land. And I isolate. I know I do. And maybe there was an element of depression. We're in the middle of the frozen north up here. We don't get a lot of sunlight. Can't go outside. It's really cold. You know, that might have been a contributor, too. So Roger had his procedure this week also. And I thought I was doing really well. And you can't help it. This is why I do this podcast and why I want to know from other people is when simple medical stuff happened, if your um, person or child died from 
a medical situation, do you panic when you have that same, not a same situation, but when medical situations come up, do you get that death anxiety where you're just like, oh my God, um, they're going to die. I just know they're going to die. Because with Christopher, he went in for, it's not a simple procedure, but he went in for chemo. At the time that Christopher went into chemo, I didn't know that people died from their first chemotherapy treatments. I didn't know that. Otherwise, I would have been there. Um, But in my mind, it's just a simple medical treatment, right? We go into x-rays. We go into these procedures. But that's not what happened with him. This supposed simple procedure. And in the doctor's own words, there's no reason why he didn't survive it. um, Killed him. So whenever someone says, doctor, nurse, whoever says, oh, it's just a simple procedure, I think, yeah, Christopher's simple procedure (laughs) killed him. So I have this death anxiety. And I think as we got closer and closer to the date, the more scared I got. So interestingly enough, I thought about this because I talk about the signs a lot and I know that there's a lot of people that are non-believers and that's fine. Like everybody has to find their own ways to cope, but it wouldn't be real for me unless I talked about what happened with us. So for those of you that don't think you get signs, I want to tell you about my husband. My husband is a deeply religious man very attached to his church. In fact, he hasn't lived in his hometown for mm, the last 35 years, and he refuses to leave his church. It's in New Athens, Illinois. Just refuses to leave his church. It is something that's important to him. Um, He gets a major part of his identity from going to it. You know, before Christopher died, he didn't believe in ghosts. He thought I was just, ah. Um, He didn't really have any spiritual experiences and then Christopher died and since Christopher died um, he, he can hear Christopher talk to him he can hear other deceased relatives talk to him um, he has visions so him going from a total non-believer to a believer just through the experience of death. And his his dad died, his sister, well, so his dad and his sister and brother-in-law all died before Christopher. So he had experienced with Christopher four deaths within a, a short period of time. So he is very, very spiritual also. And I didn't realize he had the death anxiety too. Like, we never really talked about it. We talk about a lot of things. And I talk about, because I'm a talker, we talk about this because I'm on the podcast. Um, I talk a lot, because probably because I'm more willing to be vulnerable about it than he is. We talk a lot about the spiritual experiences that happen around our house. Well, he hadn't really been talking. And I asked him if he was scared. And he told me he wasn't that um, scared is, you know, it will be what it's be. There's no sense being scared. You know, very practical information. 
So the night of the procedure, I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw my grandma. So my grandma had romantic fever when she was a kid. This is probably 1940s, maybe 50s. Had to have been 40s. Early 50s. Anyway, she had romantic fever and it caused her heart damage. And she had three or four heart surgeries. Um, she was a, one of the first person in the world to get a pig pig valves, if you guys can remember that in the 70s. And then she was one of the first people in the world to get when they went to the plastic valves inside your heart. So my grandma lived a long time. She did eventually die of heart failure. So it's ironic to me that the day before my husband's um, heart surgery, I see my grandma and she's shopping in a store like Kmart. You know, back in the days when my grandma could shop, you know, they didn't have Walmarts, they had Kmarts. And I could see her checking out and I went looking for her and calling for her saying, grandma, grandma, grandma. I couldn't find her. But she was just looking at me. So my grandma died in 2000, 2006, September 2006, I believe it was. And um, I have never seen her since. Never heard her, never seen her. Um, you know, and she was kind of like that in life too. She was kind of distant, even though I knew I was one of her favorites. Um, but she was kind of distant in life. And so I had saw her and I woke up the next morning thinking, so what's the significance of seeing my grandma and my husband's heart procedure today? And I was like, well, I don't know. So I take him to the hospital. I'm still thinking that I'm doing good, right? Because I've been preparing. I've been mentally preparing. I even believed that I was mentally preparing for his death. It was like, I can handle it. It won't be like Christopher. I won't lose my, <laughs> pardon the expression, lose my shit. Um, you know, I can handle this. I'll be all right. So they went into his... They went into his procedure and he came out and it was, it was fine. But I had forgotten that I wanted to ask him since he was going underneath anesthesia, if he had, uh, talked to Christopher. And now keep in mind, he was underneath anesthesia and still recovering and had a lot of pain meds on board. Otherwise he pr probably wouldn't have told me what he told me next. So he says, no, I didn't see Christopher, but I saw him last night. I said, what? He goes, well, I didn't want to tell you. He goes, but it's the 17th today. I'm like, oh, man. So Christopher had his chemo procedure on the 17th of June. And he was dead by that Sunday, the 19th of June. Well, the 17th was on a Friday, which is Friday. Same 17th that Christopher had his was also a Friday, and he was dead by Sunday. 
And I was just like, oh, Raj, I didn't even think about that. And um, then he said that Christopher and our dog Storm that passed the Rainbow Bridge this summer came to him in a dream last night, the night before. And he said they talked to him, but he couldn't remember who talked to him or what they said. He could remember they talked to him, but couldn't remember what they said. And I was like, wow. And I said, so what happened? He said, well, they were trying to talk to me, but I couldn't understand them. And then they said they had to go. And I said, well, what was the meaning from when you said you had to go? And he said um, that it would be all right. So I started to have a panic attack right then and there. Started getting nauseous, started getting sick to my stomach. Um, I was having to lay down. I thought I was going to pass out. And I realized there's no preparing. There's no preparing for this. Like, I'm just going to have to accept that I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I'm just going to lose it. And it lasted. So I don't know if it was a traditional panic attack. So the way that panic attacks work is your heart starts racing. You um, think you're going to die. And um, your get, hands get clammy. You know, you feel like you're going to faint, all of that. But it peaks in 20 minutes. Mine did not peak in 20 minutes. It was about, uh, or peaks in 10 minutes, sorry. Mine lasted about 20 minutes. So I'm not sure that it was a traditional panic attack, but it was most certainly triggered by the trauma of Christopher dying. And I've never had panic attacks before, but that was definitely one of them. And so I realized throughout this experience that you can't prepare. And I'm one of these people that has to have control, like I have to have control over everything, especially myself. So crying uncontrollably, uncontrollably causes me a lot of embarrassment. Um, you know, having a bad um, anger outburst um, embarrasses me real bad. And I have, you know, shame-based, I don't know if the rest of you are raised with shame-based parenting, but that's where it comes from. And I realized after this experience that can't plan for it, definitely can't plan for it. So what about coping with it? Well, the story continues because I still had that on my mind. I took my husband home Friday night. Luckily, he didn't have to stay. On the good side, they didn't find anything wrong, but they still have to do more tests because something's definitely wrong. So I took him home and he got a bad migraine. And I kept checking him for symptoms of stroke and trying not to panic. And again, these triggers, like if you're a non-griever and you're listening to this podcast, I really want you to understand the triggers. I couldn't not watch the monitors. Christopher died because they didn't hook up monitors to him. And so they didn't know at the time that he took his last breath. I could not stop watching the monitors. And every time it alarmed, and it did alarm. I didn't know that they set it up differently, but it did alarm. 
and I started to panic that he was dying. Like, I don't know how our nervous systems can go through that because then, you know, there's a release of adrenaline and cortisol and, you know, your body's on hyper alert and then it stops ringing and you relax and then it comes back again. It was horrible. So that night when Roger was home, now keep in mind, there's no monitoring equipment. So I kept checking him for a stroke, kept waking him up every 10 to 15 minutes. Are you still alive, Roger? <laughs> you know, and luckily he's understanding, you know, because he knows. Um, he's like, yeah, I'm still alive. And Saturday wasn't much better, you know, still having some cognitive issues. Um, Sunday, he loses his vision. Now, again, Panic City, it's the 19th. Is, Christopher, is he going to survive the 19th or is he going to die like Christopher? It was the only thing on my mind. And so when he lost his vision, I took him to the emergency room and they said, oh, well, he had, they checked him for a stroke again and said, we think it's just a migraine. So he's had two migraines in the last week, in, in this weekend alone. And hasn't had a migraine for probably the last year because he's in a car accident and had a head injury. Just very, very scary. And I realized we come home on the 19th and I'm like, how am I going to live the rest of my life like this? With this deep, setted fear about death. Death anxiety, basically. I see death everywhere. I see death, you know, I put a bobby pin in my mouth because I was doing my hair and I thought, God, what happens if I swallow this and I choke on it and then I die? I see it everywhere. The death anxiety is just horrible. And I don't know, I haven't seen really anybody else talk about this. So I would really like to know, do you have death anxiety? Do you see death everywhere? I have real fears about it. My granddaughter riding her bicycle. She, oh, she's going to get in a car wreck. This is going to happen. My son drove to Florida and back. I panicked the whole time because I was just positive they were going to get a car accident. They all were going to die. It, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere. And I decided that this is just one of the things I'm going to have to live with is this death anxiety. But I'm definitely going to have to increase my coping skills, which means that I can't continue to cope by depending on Kai, can't depend on coping by depending on Roger because they're human beings and they might die. So I have to develop some coping skills that involved and we talk about them but i don't engage in them anymore i keep talking about how i don't have time how i'm so busy and that's honestly got quit i don't know about the rest of you but i noticed since i christopher died i'm kind of a workaholic i work 40 hours a week um i am busy three nights a week uh doing counseling stuff um, I have a minimal caseload of clients that I've seen for a long period of time. And then I do the podcast on Sunday. That's not much free time. And I would not recommend it. 
because it eventually broke me. And so I am taking a step back at work as far as I'm handing off many of the duties to other people, um, stepping back into a manager role and out of the day-to-day responsibilities. I'm starting to drink healing teas, going back to using my essential oils, and just listening to more music. And I'm going to have to start some writing. Like, it makes me very nervous to write. So we've talked many times on this podcast about the fact that um, my mom wasn't the greatest person. One of the things that she did was read my journals. And so I find writing very hard, even though I wrote a book. It is kind of funny. So, with all of that said, I just, one of the messages that I hope you get through this podcast is to start to learn yourself really, really well. Because it is critical to understand how you think, how your experiences have impacted how you grieve and how you cope because through this grief journey i have found that my grief and coping with my grief is heavily influenced by my life experiences especially early early childhood experiences and for those of you that say it doesn't matter i just really really encourage you to take a look at it because it so matters it matters so so much The more you understand yourself, the more you understand how you tick, the more you understand what triggers you, the better you will cope with your grief. I'm not even talking about healing grief anymore because as I move through this, as I move through this podcast and I move through talking to different people, I'm realizing that 12 years in, I'm still carrying some pretty heavy baggage. And I think about how the grief has affected me and how it's affected my personality. And I'm not real fond of some of the changes, but I don't think that I can change them. I lost my trust in the world. The world is no longer a safe safe place. And I think that that is the greatest detriment of all. Because at least if I believed the world was a safe place, I could go forward and feel some measure of safety. And I don't. And that's where that death anxiety comes in. So let's have a talk on Instagram about death anxiety. Do you have death anxiety? Do you fear someone else dying in your life? What do you do to cope with it? Are you there yet in your grieving process? Are you hypervigilant, meaning you watch for it everywhere? Let's have the conversation. I haven't seen too many conversations about it. As, I mean, it exposes our deepest vulnerabilities as worrying about whether or not someone else is going to die. And you don't even want to think about it. So it may be that your your brain just won't allow you to go there. 
And as we've talked about before, I have anxiety, so that's where my brain goes. Uh, I've struggled with anxiety and depression for many, many years. And post-traumatic stress disorder. So, thank you for listening. This is the last show of season one. I do believe I'm going to go on to season two. I find this um, extremely life-affirming. I feel like it's fulfilling some kind of purpose that I'm not aware of yet. Um, I strongly feel that uh, Christopher guides me on this path. And as always, if you want to come on and talk about your loved one and your life experiences, I would love to have you on the podcast. Just reach out. And once again, if you are interested in entering the contest, please like my Instagram page, Grieving Insomniacs. Answer the question that's in the podcast. I think I'm going to put one on death anxiety if you have it. And I'll do a poll. Send me a message on Instagram saying done. I'll enter your name in the drawing. And I'll have my husband draw, so it's uh, objective. And then I'll announce it on the 28th of February. And thank you for listening. This is Kai and Christy signing off. Have a great week.